Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Find a young teenager or young college student who's in love, and what are they doing? They are, they have lost, they are lost to the world. They're just literally floating around, almost singing songs. You have to keep them away from Song of Solomon because it gets weird. You're like, you know what I mean? They just like, they're writing notes. They're like, they're acting like middle schoolers. The, all the hormones are going. They are in love. You get a husband or a wife that are truly in love and they have eyes for no one else, correct? You get a man that forgets that he's loved. He then, the secretary starts being nicer looking to him. But if a man knows that he's loved, he doesn't give a rip about her. Love is this thing that we talk about. And I woke up this morning and I have a sermon written from Galatians, which is where we might end up, maybe. And I believe I do hear the Lord speak and he said, I want you to tell them that I love them. Now, if I was just walked up here, I was like, God loves you. You'd be like, check, I know that, thank you. And there are moments where people have said, Andrew, I love you, but I didn't know it and I didn't feel it and I didn't, like there was no reality to it. And I believe there's people in this room that if I was like, hey, God loves you, Jesus loves you, you'd be like, I think I can intellectually consent to that, but the way that you live is like a neglected child. And the way that you think and process the world is like someone who's been cheated on a bunch, like in high school or middle school or whatever. And so the way that we interact with God is rooted in love. And the world has devastated the idea of love. And here's what I mean. The, the moments that people look at me and they were like, man, you are so bold to preach the gospel. Or man, you're such a godly man with your family. Do you know what I was most aware of when I was the most boldest and I was the be most best pastor? Most best, not good English, but you got the idea. When I was at my best, you know what I was most aware of? The love of God. Like I knew he loved me. And I knew that no matter what I did, he wouldn't love me any more than he does right now. Some of you need to come to grips that you're living like an orphan. You're living in your relationship with the God who is love, like what I would call a prodigal. So I want to read the prodigal son story to you. Maybe pull some stuff out. Walk out a step I feel like God wants us to step into. If that blows up because that's where the Spirit led, great. And if not, I'll preach Galatians. Cool. So Luke chapter 15, uh, it's not even going to be on the screen, so you're going to need a Bible or a phone. That's how new, and I heard this this morning, uh, but, but verse 11, the context is Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors, the worst of the worst in Jewish eyes, and sinners. And I'm finger quoting that because everybody is. But the Pharisees were there, the guys that teach the law, and they were mad about it. And they were kind of murmuring. And so Jesus starts to share these stories that literally are just slapping the Pharisees in the face of what the kingdom of heaven is like, of what it's like, why he came. And, and one of those is a story we've heard a lot, but I'm hoping that it will maybe change how we live today. Jesus continued, and I'm in the NIV because that's the Bible I got. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Anybody never heard this story before? We are a church crowd. I appreciate you, right? So we've heard the story. We know the word. We know what's about to happen, except some of us don't realize that we're living in it right now. So the son, who's a legitimate son, he belongs to the house of the father. He then decides, I don't want to be under my father's provision. Now, this is a big parable of God, all right? The father is God, maybe Jesus if you want to go there. And the youngest son, being a young son, is like, give me the money that will be owed me when you die. I want my inheritance. And what does he do? He goes, does whatever, he goes, does. He go and did what every young man does when given money, time, and freedom. Those things. And he squanders all the wealth to the point that he had all the provision of the Father. He had the goodness of the Father, except now he's in a pigsty. Anybody ever been in a pigsty? Any pig farmers up in here? Yeah, Brookville, what's up? I'm just kidding. I don't think you're all pig farmers. And he is, I think, I picture him laying in the dirt, having had all these experiences, and he looks at pig's food, which is just slop, and he goes, I want to eat that. That's how hungry I am. Anybody ever been really, 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 really hungry? You been that hungry? You're like, yeah, I just chewed on bark. Uh, I mean, that's where he's at. And he comes to his senses, verse 17. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Can we just say thank you, Noah, for being a great tech guy? Like, I threw you a curveball, and look. <laughs> Praise God for you, man. You're awesome. And so he gets, comes to his senses, and he's like, I'll go back to my dad, and I'll beg for forgiveness, but it'll be not as a son. It'll be as a slave. It'll be as one who's not earning or owing. I can't be a son anymore. I walked away. But what? Happens, And this is what you have to pay attention to because this is what God is saying this morning to anybody in this room. And categorically, some of you, you're like, I'm not eating pig slop. I got 2.5 kids, a labradoodle, a white picket fit house. I'm doing good. But spiritually, you could be in the pigsty right now. And God would like you to come home. Others of you, you won't identify with the younger brother, but I want you to notice where the, uh, there's another brother. He's about to show up. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now I want you all to picture this as a teenage self. Maybe you are a teenager or a young person in your father's house. You go to your dad tonight. You're like, Dad, I wish you were dead. Can you just give me the money I'm owed and I'm leaving? You go spend that in Vegas. And you do all the things that young men and young women do when they have freedom, time, and money. And then you decide, I'm really royally messed up because I'm eating out of a dumpster. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to dad's house. How's your dad react? 
How's your dad react? And some of you, that's what's hit, you're hitting it right now. You're like, my earthly father would never. But do not equate your earthly father with your heavenly one. Because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of men. It's upside down. And it takes sinners and prostitutes and broken people who are eating out of pig slop and goes, would you come home? Would you come here? So the father is waiting, waiting while he's along off and he's filled with compassion. He runs to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Is the son pretty at this point? Has he bathed? Has he got pig slop, slop on his breath? Is he dirty? Yes. Has no money, no rights, no righteousness, nothing. He doesn't bring anything to the father and the father's waiting, looking and going, I can't wait for this kid to come back. That's beautiful. This is the love of God poured out on the prodigal son. This is, uh, and, it, and it gets better because it says, the son said to him, Father, I have, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So the son repents. And when you sin, you know what you should do when you sin? You should own it. And some of you, this is what's keeping you from the things of God. You're in the pigsty, but you're going, no, I'm not. And you're, it's like you're in the bathroom and it really, really smells, so you just spray a little bit of that rose petal stuff. You know that just smells like rose petals and, right? So some of you, spiritually, you are bankrupt. You spent all the wealth and now you're eating slop and you're going, and you refuse to own it. You refuse to repent of it. And then some of us, we come back to the house of God and you get so used to the slop, you're like, can I eat slop here? And then when someone like me is like, no, stop eating the slop, you're like, how dare you judge me? So the whole story for me is just like, if we would be a people that knew the love of God, because what does the father do in the story? But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, if I gave you a robe, you'd probably be like, are we out of renaissance there? But in that culture, to put a robe on you is to provide provision. And I think in the bigger context, Jesus is going, Jesus puts righteousness, right standing before God. God looks at you when I say come into Christ and I say repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. He puts the goodness of Jesus over you like a robe. It covers all that dirt, long fingernails and grime under your fingernails and the slop on your face. It covers that. This is the gospel, is it not? Jesus covering us. And then he puts a ring on his finger. Now, if I give you my way, I can't even get it off. That's probably best. Uh, if I gave you a ring in this culture, doesn't mean much. You'd probably be like, thank you, and it would get lost in your cart. In that culture, for a father to give a ring to a son, it was probably a signet ring, which means when you sealed deals, it was the sign of the family. And when you made business transactions, it was the sign that you belonged to that father. So it's weighty when you actually realize that the Father bestows goodness and provision and righteousness as well as an identity. That is, I belong to this family even if I walked away from it. He welcomed me back with an identity and a love and a provision. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a party, a feast, and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So some of you, you are spiritually dead in this room dead. The son was dead to the family, right? The older brother who we'll meet here in a second was like, I'm never going to see my younger brother again. Good riddance. 
The father realizes that my son was dead to me, but now he's alive. This is what Jesus does for you and me. He takes dead spiritual human beings, and I'm not talking like a little boop, boop. I'm talking face down in the water, no breath, no life spiritually. Jesus in the lifeboat shows up, goes, got another dead one, life. That is the gospel. You didn't bring anything to the table except pig slop and bad decisions. Amen? That's what I brought to Jesus when I got saved. Pig slop and bad decisions. I was like, do you want me? He's like, oh, I want you. And he wrapped me with righteousness, and he gave me an identity. And some of you need to come back to the pure, true gospel, because it's simple. Is, it, is that not simple? Come home. And we've convoluted the whole thing. And you're like, well, that sounds like Galatians. That is Galatians. Galatians is, you took the gospel and it was pure and it was simple and all you had to do was come by grace through faith to Jesus and he makes you clean. That's the gospel. You're like, yeah, what's the, what, what else do I have to do? Nothing. What about the law? It was fulfilled in Christ. What about all the stuff I gotta do to be a good son? You are saved by grace through faith. Don't add anything to it. Galatians, the Galatians, you know what they were caught up on? Circumcision. They were adding Jewish law to New Testament spirit-filled Christians. So if you were in that church, they would have said to you, these Jewish leaders, these Pharisaical leaders, hey, yeah, give Jesus your life, but you better do all the law, specifically circumcision. So anybody got any questions about circumcision? Cool. I'm not going to answer them. So uh, I'll invite the elders up at the end of this service. They got charts and diagrams. They'll explain the whole, the whole thing, all right? But that is an external act to show that you belong to God. In the New Testament sense, our, the work that God does is an inward-out interaction. The Spirit of God renews the inward man, the soul and the spirit, something they weren't before, where there was no life. There's life by the sons of God's death and resurrection from the dead. If you put your faith in Jesus, it will change. You won't want to live in the pig slop anymore. You'll want to be in the house. I want to be in the house, not so I can prove that I belong, because I belong, because he told me I do. And so the, the prodigal son story blows my mind, and they began to celebrate Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, and so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Now, some of you are good church kids. You have felt boards and rules and gold stars next to your name. You are better at sword drills than everybody else. And if you're like, what are you, swords? Say, thank God. You never saw a felt board, some of you. Some of you were not indoctrinated as a young child. It's okay. But what came with it was not, I'm so grateful to be in the house of God. What came with it was bitterness and religiousness. So then the pig sloppers show up and you go, you're not clean enough to be in this house. And so on top of that, you have an older brother 
who he lives in the house, right? He's in, he's in the house of the father. He's got access to his dad anytime. So he's got the wealth of the dad. He has the food of the dad. He has the wisdom of the dad. He has the robe still. He never took the ring off, except he's not living in the house. You know what I mean? So some of you, you've said yes to Jesus. You're just not living under his provision. You're not, you're not even grateful to be in the house because somewhere in there, you picked up the Pharisees were mad at Jesus because he sat with sinners. You picked some of that up. And I think Jesus would say, would you come back in? To the house you're standing outside the tent mad that there's people in there that shouldn't be look all these years i've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet you never even gave me a young goat but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home you kill the fattened calf for him my my son the father said you are always with me and everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The prodigal son story blows my mind, and I've heard it thousands of times. Because I'm the prodigal. And then some days I feel like I'm the older son. Everywhere in the story, I need to come back to the father and go, Father, I've, I've wandered a bit. And I'm wondering this morning, like when I say, God loves me. What does your heart do? God loves you. That is what the Holy Spirit this morning whispered to me. Tell them I love them. If you encounter, and I don't mean intellectually, I mean soul, mind, body, all that we are, encounter the love of God, you will not be the same. The love of God is put on display at one of the most horrible places in history. Do you know what that was? The cross. It yells the love of God. It yells the victory of Christ. It yells that there is a new and better way opened by the flesh of Jesus. And so if we were being honest, and I know church is not a place for that, we like to clean it up and we like to act like we ain't got anything going on or that we don't feel like we're weak or we got all the answers. This is not that church. So if you want to wrap yourself up in a bunch of, I was going to say a bad word, bullcrap, you can do that, but Jesus sees right through it. But if we were sitting face to face and I said, do you feel like you've wandered from God and you're sitting in the pigsty? I wonder how many of us would raise our hand. And then maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, no, I've been in the house, but I do not feel the love of God. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never encountered that. But once again, I'll say it. I'm convinced the, most, the time that I was most affected for the kingdom of God, I was the most bold. I'm just like walking down slant walk yelling at college students. Wasn't because I'm bold or zooful. It's because I understood in a moment the love of God. And it wowed me. It transformed my outlook. And I was like, I have never been more secure that no matter what I do, I'm loved. I want that for all of you because it'll change you. It'll move you to share the gospel. Lovers talk about who they're in love with. You know that, right? People that are in love just can't help talk about it. Oh, she's so pretty. Her hair. Like it's just, once you, right? Once again, and this it leads to holy living. When you're in love and know the love of God, righteousness is a thing you want to cling to and walk in because you're so, I don't want to mess that up. 
It's not a list of rules then or pharisaical obligation. It's I love God. I love him and I'm loved by him. Wow. I feel like I'm Elf, Buddy the Elf from the, you know, I'm in love and I don't care who knows. Like that is the gospel. And the Pharisees showed up and no, 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 no. The truth of God is you got to live all 668 laws. And Jesus goes up and he's like, nah, you can't. Because Paul's going to make this argument out of Galatians. The law's not bad. You know that? So I'll show you what the law does. So the law says, thou shall not murder. Anybody murdered anybody this week? Just need to know if I need to report you. That's, you know. <laughs> cool. So then Jesus, God in the flesh, shows up. And what does he say? You've heard that it was said, thou shall not murder. That's a good rule to live by, right? Don't kill people. But he says, I tell you that if any of you look at your brother with judgment or anger, you're murdering him in your heart. Anybody murder anybody this week? See, our hands start to go up. And then very quickly, as you walk through the law, it says, don't lie. You want to raise hands on that one? Don't make a bigger deal about something than it should be. That's usually what we do. Don't make yourself more important than you should be. This is don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Man, I really want a sea because he's got one. I don't really know a neighbor that has a sea but it could be that. Man, those Jordans, I want someone, right? I don't know where my mind, my mind went to my 13-year-old who has Jordans, so. Where was my brain? So I wonder right now in this moment if we could step back into that prayer and maybe nothing will happen, but I think the normal Christian heart longs for the love of God. But it's been on display and it's available. You can be saved from your sin and brought into the house of God. And so if you were like, can you sum up what you feel like God's saying? Come home. Come home. Maybe you're far away. I've always said, I don't care if you were at Brick Street all night, that you just woke up from a blackout bend. Like, I don't care. Jesus' power on the cross has the ability, supernaturally, I'm talking the power of God, to separate the, sinner, the sinner's heart and make it righteous. Do you want to be made new, or do you want to live in the slop? Some of you are like, well, I kind of like the slop. Can we be honest about that? Some of you, you've been in this thing a long time, and you're serving, and you're working, and you're like, do you love me now? And he's like, I loved you then. And we need to come back into this realization that the, like, the love of God is at the core of the gospel. Yes, there's wrath, and yes, there's judgment on sin, and yes, there's consequences for sin, but at the core of that, why did Jesus come? Why? For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That starts right now. Everlasting life bubbling up into eternal joy forever at the side of the sun. Woo! And when we talk about God, we're like, ah, I think he's mad at me. I missed my quiet time this week. Get out of the family. That doesn't happen. 
can we be honest about that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit you before the Lord, maybe try to see if anybody wants to respond, but look, can you bow your head or whatever helps you think about God the most? I don't care if it's sitting on your head, whatever. Lord, this was your word. You told this story, Jesus, about the prodigal. And I know that I can say out loud in human words, the Lord loves you, but I ask that by your spirit, you would come and whisper that over your people. I ask you, God, because you're real, that you would come apply the word to our hearts. And in this moment, Lord, if we're living in the slop, would you come like a good father? Would you bring holy conviction? Not worldly sorrow, but godly conviction. And when we recognize that you are inviting us to come home, and if that's you, will you be honest with God right now? Just you and him. Be like, God, I've been living in the slop, and I don't want to. And you're going to have to own it with God. Like, he already knows it, but there's power in saying, like, Lord, I repent. I don't want to be here. I'm going to turn from the slop, and I'm going to come coming home. Can you show me the way? And then others of you, you've been in the church a long time. In church, for whatever reason, I think Satan and religious spirits, they just make us get bitter sometimes, and we don't know the love of God. Maybe that's you. You're not the slop person, but you're, you're in the church. Maybe you're like, I want to know the love of God, which should be all of us. Can you tell God that? God, set me free from this bitterness. I've been serving you for so long, but I don't feel your love. So if that's you, and everybody just keep your head down. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. But I really left a a row of chairs out up here because I felt like maybe that was you. And you're like, man, I am in the slop, and I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to recommit that I would invite you to come just right up here to the front of the stage. Or maybe you're the older brother. I'd invite you too. Or maybe you're a Christian, you're like, I'm not an older brother, I just want to know the love of God. That there would be this response right now from all of us, like, God, I hear the prodigal son's story, call me home. So Lord, we just take seriously your word. And we're gonna go back into worship, and if we find you up here during this song, an elder or a prayer team is gonna pray for you, just that simple. Lord, we love you, and I thank you that Your love is pursuing the people in this room. Lord, would your love come set us free from all the fears of the world, from all the regret of our past, and would you call, like right now, come home. and I'm going to let you respond. And then we'll see what the floor does.
Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.